0: From the front row of the theater to your headphones, this is your Wednesday matinee,
1: the WICB podcast for all things Broadway. We are your hosts,
0: Connor Hibbert
1: and Lou Barron,
0: two certified theater kids with a lot of knowledge and even more opinions.
1: What more can we say?
0: Welcome to a podcast produced by a non commercial radio station, the only medium that makes less money than live theater and an album released on a streaming service. This is your Wednesday matinee.
1: <laughs> that,
0: that's
1: good. That's good. Yeah. A, joke, a joke, perhaps, that will not land unless you <laughs> listen to Ride the Cyclone, the brand new world premiere cast recording. Mm-hmm. And who, who are we talking to today?
0: We're talking to brooke maxwell and kevin mccullum brooke is uh one half of the writing team for this show and kevin is a tony award winning producer of this show and uh we're gonna be talking to them in just a little bit so don't uh you know don't get your knickers in a twist we'll be we'll be speaking to them to them shortly
1: don't get your knickers in the twist yeah
0: that's an expression
1: it is one that I have only just now become familiar with. You've never but... heard
0: Don't Get Your Knickers in a Twist?
1: No. It's I like, I have it's not. It's
0: like an old people expression. But we're not old people. We're, we're young not. and alive.
1: Yeah, uh, hence me not knowing. Unlike what that
0: is. unlike the characters in this musical. Segway.
1: Oh. Yeah. oh my gosh. The just just keep on coming. They keep on coming. But yes, they are the characters in this musical are in fact dead children. So if you are someone who likes morbidity, you're gonna love Ride the Cyclone. But it's also really funny. Yeah, really fresh and fascinating and character driven. Yeah. And how use your use your uh, comparison description, Connor, because I thought it was very funny.
0: Yeah, it's like cats, but with children, and and done well is exactly what it is. Because the characters in Ride the Cyclone are all performing for this Coney Island fortune telling machine thing. If you ever seen big, it's kind of yeah. like the, the machine and big.
1: Yes, and, it and is. They're, That's they're the first perf- thing I thought of.
0: Yeah, me too. And they're performing for this fortune telling machine because he will send one of them back to the land of the living.
1: When I was thinking of a way to find some creative mashup of other musicals to serve as a reference point, uh, What I came up with is the fortune-telling thing from Big, just like a dash of Mel Brooksian humor.
0: Yeah, oh yeah.
1: And I I think the the musical of Mel Brooks that I I would most compare it to is Young Frankenstein, because it has that horror bent to it as well. Yeah. But it also has... An earnestness that is not Mel Brooks at all.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's earnest, but it didn't uh, annoy me in its earnestness at no, all. No,
1: not at all. Like it, it like a, a refreshing a earnestness, not a yeah. um, cliche earnestness.
0: You have these songs that are intercut with fourth wall breaking interstitials from said big machine, and they're very funny, and you talks directly to the audience and makes observations about the characters Mm -hmm. and at one point in the beginning he says or maybe you're listening to this on vinyl because you don't believe that sound recording technology has progressed beyond 1870 something and
1: there's another moment on the album where uh the narrator machine comes in and says and this next part is going to make no sense at all until you see (laughs) it live and i loved that i thought that was so funny but yeah even though it was definitely its own thing adapted to the cast album medium, I definitely felt like it was adapted and I still got the the essence of the show through this album, even though it is very much an album and not just a recording of the show, which is something I really, really appreciated.
0: This has been around, its first production was in 2011. So really, mm-hmm. we're kind of breaking a our decade. own rules with with new musical series, but it's close up. A
1: little bit. But this is a bonus episode. It's yeah. July.
0: Yeah. And... We're, feel, we're feeling a little frisky here. You can hear our interview with Brooke and Kevin right now.
1: Oh, wait. I forgot to thank Sarah Borsari.
0: Sarah Borsari? Before this,
1: before this in- <laughs> intro is over, <laughs> I must thank Sarah Borsari, co-host of Eve Out Loud with me, because she is the one who turned me on to the show, and she is the reason that I wanted to reach out to them and get them on this podcast in the first place. So thank you, Sarah Brossari. Thank you. For the first time on the Matinee New Musical series, we're joined by not one, but two incredible guests from the creative team of the musical Ride the Cyclone. Brooke Maxwell is a self-described home studio nerd who works as a freelance musician, arranger, and conductor in British Columbia. Along with Jacob Richmond, he wrote the book, music, and lyrics to Ride the Cyclone, which has seen productions mounted in Toronto, Chicago, and New York City at the Lucille Lortel Theatre Off-Broadway.
0: And producer Kevin McCollum is a three-time Tony winner for smash hit musicals Rent, Avenue Q, and In the Heights, as well as many other projects, including Six, which I have tickets to, by the way, uh, on Broadway. Uh, Ride the Cyclone reaffirms his commitment to producing fresh new work and musicals that push the boundaries of storytelling.
1: And Ride the Cyclone really does push those boundaries with the release of their world premiere cast recording, Blending hilarious self awareness with the infectious tunes that earned them longtime fans. Brooke and Kevin, welcome to the show officially. Well, it's
0: great to be here. Yeah, nice to you. talk to both of you. So, uh, just diving right in, I guess, for Brooke especially, just tell us about the genesis of the show. How did you land in a haunted roller coaster of all things? And, and who or what did you draw uh, inspiration from?
2: Um, well, through a lot of this, I followed the lead of uh, Jacob Richmond, who's sort of the, the impetus for all, all, uh, much of the madness behind, behind the ideas here. So he wanted to dramatize an accident. He'd had a couple of uh, his own personal terrible family tragedies and, and just life goes on. So he was like, how do we make this into theater? That is that you can actually confront the sense of loss and senselessness, but also make it entertaining or something that's not more depressing (laughs) than wallowing in it so he went and the celebration aspect of life and youth and uh that aspect of things um so that 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 was his idea um initially was that there was a show about a flood he was going to flood a small town was one of his concepts and uh then gradually got onto the roller coaster metaphor and uh sort of ran ran with that and it just sort of built upon itself a lot of the time the, the show kind of tells you what it needs in many cases so the characters gradually evolve And uh, prior to meeting Kevin, we were sort of a cabaret thing with a series of these characters that were interacting in in the sense of um, the setting of the abandoned warehouse with a fortune-telling machine that was going to be our our driving narrative device. And uh, the headless girl just happened to be an obvious fit and uh, the whole range of the other characters. So yeah. That was a while God. ago and we've, been, we've been working on it since and uh, honing it and yeah, excited to, to get this album out there.
3: Yeah, no, I have to say, um, you know, this is a musical about a terrible accident, but you know, you could argue everything we confront in life is a terrible accident. It's how you find beauty and art within your journey. And if you look at all the shows I get excited about, it's new vocabularies and very quote unquote, uncommercial ideas. And they run commercial because there's never been anything like it but then rent avenue q in the heights drowsy chaperone happens another canadian musical drowsy chaperone and you surprise an audience and they realize that we go to the theater because we have a sense to make sense of our lives in real time it's not like film or television or even recording it actually everybody shows up to say yes you're here and you matter And without either one of us being here, this wouldn't happen. And we make something in the theater that evaporates the moment we create it. And if that's not a metaphor for for everything about life, I don't know what is. So Jacob and Brooke captured a true arc of starting on the earth, a terrible, terrible earthly problem, which is um, you're dead. And then from that comes a redemptive sense of I'm not dead. I lived, and it's better to have lived and lost than never lived at all, and that makes you sing, because we sing to get to the heavens, and if, for those listeners who haven't seen the show, you, you, can, you can create a lot of stories by just listening to the album, uh, because there's room in this show that anything you're going through in your life, this show will speak to. And it's a great, great theatrical entertainment that I'm so grateful for Brooke and his leadership. And really, we, we made this album in the, in, the, in the worst of times during COVID with people everywhere. And though we were apart, just like what this show is about, we came together to form a family and realize life's pretty amazing if you choose not to be a victim and sing your own song.
1: Absolutely. And I definitely felt that spirit in the album. And, you know, speaking of the album, the album starts with your narrator saying that cast albums are kind of a last ditch effort they make no money it's it's very funny but then here we are and we have a cast album so um and we're not making then.
3: any money we are not making
1: this <laughs> on spotify
3: you know what's interesting and uh, i'll just say this it's really we wanted people to hear this music because once you hear this music productions are going to happen all over the world now where it's 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 it's, it's too good to ignore it similar to what we did with six as we made the album and then, and then now everyone knows the music to six and now everyone wants to see the show. Uh, Ride the Cyclone has that that same dynamic. I feel that it's it's just so special. And, um, but you're right, albums today make no money. So, um, but, but Brooke, you know, he he believed in it. And as the producer, I was like, how many days do you need in the studio? And he's like, trust me. And, um, and so I talked to my therapist and I trusted him. No, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. There's nobody more diligent, uh, and 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 Brooke and Jacob. Have, have, my job as a producer is to get out of the way of their inspiration.
0: I I guess how did you land on, or how did you approach adapting this story to the cast album format? Like Lou mentioned, there's some choices that are made to specifically translate it from a theatrical space to a listening space. To, I, take us through the process of deciding on 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 making those changes and and how they were executed.
2: Yeah. um, So Jacob and I are both, we're both album guys. We've we've, we've loved the the concept albums, whether they're Beatles or the Pink Floyd or or Tom Waits, Black Rider or whatever it is, just that something that uh, takes you on a journey. Uh, A lot of the way we've come to theater is actually through music, whether it's Bowie or Tom Waits or Bjork or whatever it is. There's just so many great musical artists that are sort of one foot, on the platform one foot on the train kind of between those worlds and so we've loved that forever and we love to listen to music like that and the idea of just taking the, the what happens on the stage and putting it on an album we've heard that before in the cast albums and our show we feel it is has such a world to it and using the device of Karnak or the fortune telling machine to sort of be the almost narrator on the album we, we weren't man it wasn't man in chair exactly but we did love man in chair. we love we're, we're both fans of oh. of that show a lot um
3: that's Drowsy's chaperone. drowsy
2: chaperone that's what he man right yeah, yeah manager yeah,
1: yeah.
2: um but just having a sort of narrator that takes it through and sort of you're entering into this world and this experience so the album is of the world of ride the cyclone but its own experience um yeah and and we were toying around with the idea of, of calling it a concept album but you like you don't say it's Ride the Cyclone, the concept album, we w- were waiting for other people to point and say that say that out. But we wanted it to be sort of an experience. I think at one point when we were initially at brainstorming, we were going to have it like it was a pirate radio station and the Karnak, the fortune telling machine had come alive again after however many years after the show had come off and sort of reflected on it and now is still in his data banks. all these songs were still floating around we we fooled with that idea and that was quite inspiring but then the realities of making it all happen and the confusion like everything we do there's many layers of explaining our world so we didn't want to take take the listeners too far away from the show to make our own show and, show
3: and show in, in this in the actual stage piece we actually comment on Theater going because yeah. Karnak Karnak is all seeing, all knowing in that because he's been programmed to do very special things, and actually they they lessened his programming so he could be sold to a carnival so he wouldn't offend anybody. So the the metaphor about you know how what how what we're how we're programmed to be and how we're supposed to be through this machine, and yet that is sort of what we all think about that self editing of art of what is. What is appropriate, what's not, especially today, um, through tremendous times of transformation, um, is really, really interesting. And and there's nothing more transformative in someone's life than death. So there's a lot of Nietzsche, a lot of Beckett, a lot of uh, uh, religious theory behind uh, Brooke and Jacob's choices, which is why they're such wonderful, surprising artists, because they're there to have a good time, but they also know it's a slog to make beautiful things in life but that doesn't mean don't try and uh this show has that sort of quality of a forever plaid meets a rocky horror meets a, a, some sort of subversive glee um and you know what i want to see that and yeah. if this album can capture that sense of humor that we have in the show even though it's not line by line exactly what you're going to hear in the show but now there's a reason to go to the show. On a lot of cast albums and Drowsy Chaperone, I kept a lot of the jokes in the, in the songs. I talked to the authors, let's not do that on the album. And because people will listen to the album, but then when they come to the theater, it's a whole nother layer of surprises. And so um, this, th- this album has great Easter eggs um, and, and surprises that are, you'll never see in the theater. And when you come to the theater, there'll be wonderful surprises that, will, that are definitely not on this album.
1: Yeah, I, I love that about it um, because there is the root of, oh, we're going to like record and archive the theater production as is and, and give that to the people. That's kind of the the more Hamilton route, I would say, because they have like one like 30 second bit and that's the only thing that's not on the album. But yeah, I I personally would prefer that kind of adaptation, keep the essence, but leave us with surprise and I mean, you've been with this show for, for a while now, a, a decade essentially if, with the first production back in in 2011. So could you both talk about the journey of advocating for a show over that time and how that's changed and then kind of where we're at on the journey of the show right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, we we started back, I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada right now. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Um, hey, happy
3: Canada Day. Happy Canada oh, Day. Yeah.
2: It's an odd day, unfortunately, but, um, yes, we're, we're, uh, that was back in about 2009, I think it was. And we had a local production and that went up and then it went uh, gradually over to the mainland and then to Toronto, which is our New York. Um, and then we got some attention. I think that's Kevin maybe heard about it then. And, um, we we got a chance to chat with him, and he, he gave us some thoughts about some some changes to make it more um, more fit for the the direction uh, that he works in, the more musical theater uh, direction. And uh, we had a chance to go to the states and work with the amazing Rachel Rockwell in Chicago. Um, and th- throughout the course of it, we we were basically. You know, I always think of it, it's like a hot air balloon. You know, like you can work on it and you can stitch in your warehouse uh, and just hope what you're stitching is uh, a full air balloon, but really only when all the air, you take it out on the field and you fill it with air and you get it up, can you actually see what's missing. So we were very fortunate that we had workshop opportunities. Our producers were so supportive. Uh, and different iterations to sort of raise the air balloon uh, to get a chance to see it and then go back and stitch <laughs> in our small rooms by ourselves and then try again to to, to to see if if that was the shape we were going for because you know you're you are you if it's if it's something that hasn't been done before you don't know like the answers are never 100 percent clear and we were both very um this was a new area for us, the the realm of musical theater. So we were fortunate enough to be exposed to a lot of wise folks, whether it's Kevin McCollum, our other producer, Morris Burchard, Um, when we were at uh, Chicago Shakespeare Theater doing some great workshopping. Rachel Rockwell, of course, and Rick Boynton uh, creatively inputted as well. So we had some fantastic support, encouraging us to sort of fill in some of the holes and get some other perspectives on it.
3: I have to tell you, I, I wasn't trying to music theater it as much as in Brooke and, and, and uh, uh, Jacob, I, you know, sometimes you're too close to it. And like Drowsy, Drowsy had some wonderful moments. And yet I was looking for, well, what, how, how do we really, really attach to these characters as a family, not just as individuals? And what they had done They had been working with an organization that they uh, kind of co-created and and Brooke had done a lot of material called Atomic Vaudeville which was a really wonderful, vibrant company in Victoria. And so when I saw the show, I saw these songs that were complete stories unto themselves and they were all individuals. And yet I was saying, yet, even though they start as individuals, how at the end do they come together as a family? Because ultimately we all want to matter. And we all want to feel like we belong and there's nothing more isolating than death right so i was just like how do we how do we how do we put that together and rachel rockwell who, who uh, jake uh, who brooke uh, referred to was our director brilliant brilliant director um who unfortunately while we were making this story about dying too early uh was diagnosed with cancer and passed a couple years ago and so that really knocked. The wind out of our sails because you know we are actually it became part of our story losing someone we love that we were making the story with uh which and which is just so unfair in fact one of the songs that is in the album that is not currently in the show is um a, a, a song called be safe and um that's the right title am i right yeah or be safe
2: be good yeah
3: be safe be good because it's basically a song and brooke sings it beautifully on the album and it's called rachel's you know for rachel because you know someone who does something right and this has so much to give to the world and taken away too early is just you know that's that's the grief is is unbearable and yet how do you cure that you cure that by living remembering her and making art in her memory and so that's what what brooke did and, and i have to tell you you know, Brooke and I talk about this a lot. He goes, you know, I'm not a music theater guy. He makes, and Jacob make these great songs that are full stories. And sometimes it's like, let's save something and connect, and use some of that to connect them so that it's it, it, they not only are individuals, but they're also a family. And I think that's what we've successfully done over the years. And I think this album um, is the kind of album you want to sit down, you want to have a beverage of your choice, have a couple friends over, and just listen to it with really good speakers or earphones, because it's uh, it's uh, it's the kind of album you can also listen to again and again. And even though if you play it backwards, you do not hear Brooke is Dead. Um, it has all those wonderful, <laughs> wonderful uh, surprises in the album that you'll hear each time you listen to it something different.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. This has a lot of re-listening um, ability. I listened to this in the cold, dead Isolation of my bedroom at 11.30 p.m. So I'm excited to listen to it with other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess we'll segue now to our signature bit. Uh, <laughs> with every uh, interview we do, we play a little Broadway Would You Rather with our guest. Oh, great. Um, so we've got some questions here for you. So for both of you, would you rather die on the cyclone with... Kevin, you may be familiar with these characters. Um, Maureen from Rent or Mrs. Doubtfire from, you guessed it, Mrs. Doubtfire?
3: Uh, you're asking me first? I, I, I Listen, I think they're both amazing characters I've had uh, the pleasure to work with. Um, I, I kind of feel uh, Mrs. Doubtfire because I think she'd let me know it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right uh, while I'm in my final hours where Maureen might be like, you know, screaming in my ear. So <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'm think i gonna I'll go with Mrs. Doubtfire on that one.
2: Uh, <laughs> These are the kind of things I'm terrified of because actually I don't know who those people are.
3: Well, you know <laughs> who Maureen is. Maureen is in Rent. You've musical directed Maureen, right? Have you done, have you ever musical directed Rent? No, Rent? I
2: saw Rent. Kevin, when, just, just before I met you, I think because I knew we were gonna meet and there was a production on it. And I saw mm-hmm. it and that was a long time ago and I-
3: Okay, I she don't. sings, take Take me or leave me. She's Mark's ex-girlfriend who uh, is gay and is with Joanne. Okay, so, you know this what, I a have bul- a feeling- This is the bulk
2: of my life, Lou and Connor. Yeah. This is the uh, I, I,
3: I, me think, up to speed on musical I, history. I think Brooke would rather not play this game, because I think- <laughs> No, this is, this is fun, it's, it keeps it real. This is who I am. What's Give us the next question. He, he's going to choose Maureen because he'd have a good time with her because she's an artist. She, <laughs> should right. on, she should be on with, with, with Maureen. I'll answer for yeah. him in true producer fashion. <laughs> yeah, for
1: some, for some balance here. <laughs> there you go. This is, this is right.
3: what Brooke would do. Let me tell you, I'm the producer.
1: This is all real and live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
3: Advocacy.
2: What's the next one?
1: The next one. Would you rather produce... For Kevin or C uh, for Brooke, the movie musical version of Avenue Q or Something Rotten?
3: I'm working on both, so I can't really choose one over. The- oh. I would rather have a new question. <laughs> got I- I think you
2: got <laughs> it.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Go ahead. What would you rather
2: see? I, okay. I I enjoyed both of those shows. They actually really mm-hmm. brought brought me in. I was sort of surprised with something rotten because I could not, I couldn't believe the level of the spectacle, uh, in the in the both in the songwriting and the cleverness. I and it I don't know why that isn't super huge. It sh- that should be well, maybe it is super huge, but we haven't there. done it in Victoria. Let's just say that he hasn't made it to my island.
3: Well. We actually haven't released the rights yet because again, sort of like, uh, you know, I'm surprised. I can understand why you were surprised at the lack of spectacle uh, since we were always trying to make make Ride the Cyclone a little more affordable. So I apologize to you, Brooke. Oh, uh, no. But was, you could like have the, asked for more.
2: <laughs> it was the, the band blew me away. I, there was everything yeah. about that show, it just blew my head off and I had zero expectations going in. Um, yes. So I, I don't know, and I love having yeah. you, you too. Next question, I, so far
3: we're, we're zero for zero. Go ahead, <laughs> go
1: ahead. It's for the fun of the game. Yeah,
3: that's right, right. It's like the cyclone, you just got, it's a ride. It's not yeah. a game, yeah. it's just totally. for the ride. This, this, uh,
0: this one is a bit, is a bit compli- It's a longest one and a bit uh, complicated, so bear with us, but would you rather see as much live theater as you want for free, but never be able to listen to the music at home or have unlimited access to archive recordings and cast albums, etc., but never be able to see live theater ever again.
3: Oh, I have to go with number one. I, I can keep it in my head. The memory of seeing something is so powerful for me. I don't need to listen to it. In fact, I don't listen to a lot of things after I see them. I see them and just like I like to hold that memory because there's nothing more sacred than than live theater, in my in my opinion.
2: I that's a it's a good one I really enjoy live theater but uh missing it lately and obviously having just produced an album uh and I've been working lately with my iPod iPod on shuffle (laughs) with my own personal collection and just hearing all these songs and memories come back to me um there's something very special in that. Just just hearing a tune again that I had l- heard maybe four or five years ago that finally comes up on my shuffle, and it it brings with it all those memories. So that I have a really strong relationship with recorded music as well. So I can't choose either one of those, but I'll just say the other. Just keep keep in balance with Kevin. Gotcha.
1: Balanced. We yeah. love balance. All right. And as a a final question before we come up to the end. Uh, what do you both see as the ideal future of this story? Like in your in your wildest dreams, where does Ride the Cyclone end up?
3: I, I'll jump in. I think this is going to be one of the most produced shows uh, in the world very shortly now that people know. We didn't do it in a lot of places because we were most time theater sometimes gets birth too soon And, you know, a lot of shows take seven, eight years. This one took a little longer, uh, partially because we lost our director in the middle of our journey. And also um, they had already done a wonderfully successful version of Ride the Cyclone. It's not the show it is today. Um, So I I believe it'll live in the world of the... uh, Rocky Horrors, The Forever Plaids, and Forever Plaid for a period of time was the most produced musical. It's a, if you're interested in live musicals, it has a cast of seven and a band of four. And Brooke has made some great enhancement backtracks to play with the live band. And if you don't have a band, we, we have ways in which you can do the show. So we've really worked hard to make sure this show is accessible for professional theaters, young theaters, and theaters of all kinds. And uh, so I think it's, it, I think, I think we're going to look back on this podcast and say, remember when no one heard about this show and now look where it is. And and that's, that's my hope for it. I think this is a show that older people, younger people, anyone who understands that life is something kind of out of our control. And so all we can do is love each other and take care of each other and find our families. There is so much depth to this what seems to be light entertainment this is very subversive and very smart and it comes out of the brilliant brains of Brooke and jacob
0: well when we find a production near us we will be the first ones in the theater
1: absolutely i cannot wait to see the show in a theater with a bunch of people all packed in together absolutely cannot wait so yeah thank you both so much yeah, thank you so much the show. for coming
3: on Pleasure. oh thanks for having us thanks for your interest and 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 thank you for making sure theater matters, uh, by doing this
1: podcast. Woo. I feel like I just rode the cyclone. Ah, adrenaline yeah. is pumping.
0: Good point. But we came out alive from riding the cyclone. Um, Luckily to Brooke and Kevin. Thanks a million for coming on this show. Yes. Um, that was so much fun. Um, Kevin, if you're listening, um, you know, six tickets cost a lot. So, if you'd <laughs> like to uh, refund me and get me comp tickets, wow. let me know.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely love to see a like or hear the pirate radio version.
0: Oh yeah, me of too. Ride the
1: cyclone. We are radio people. We are not just podcast yeah. people. We are traditional radio station running people as well. Yep. And oh boy.
0: That I would mean, be a ton of fun. Would yeah. I
1: love that or would I love that? Um, But also on a more serious note, when you were talking about the song, Be Safe, Be Good, that song really stood out to me on the album. And I just wanted to say that before we close, not even knowing the story behind it. Yeah. It made me very emotional. So I think that is a testament to the strength of the songwriting.
0: I, I- it was an amazing song. song. And I'm glad we got the background on it. Um, yeah. So, well, that's a bit of a, a, a sadder romp note to end on. But the I no, interview-
1: I didn't want to end on that, but I, I just really wanted to say it. No. So,
0: um, Still a romp. Interview itself. Still a
1: romp. Yes. And Great interview. Yeah. Probably time talking to you both.
0: Yeah. Again, you know, I wouldn't even, like, I'll pay for them, right? But then maybe I can go backstage <laughs> Or maybe we can get an interview with the cast. Like,
1: Oh, uh, he's back on six. He's back on six. Yeah.
0: Hey, Lou, I have some uh, jawbreaking news for you.
1: Like the song Jawbreaker on the album of Ride the Cyclone?
0: Nope. Independently, I came up with the word jawbreaking. breaking uh, Well, I unfor- love that
1: adjective, so...
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, this episode of the Matinee New Musical Series has closed after just one performance.
1: But luckily, we'll be back next week with another one-night-only, can't-miss theatrical event.
0: And if you just can't wait that long for your Broadway radio fix...
1: I know I can't.
0: Tune into the best of Broadway each and every Sunday morning from 10 to noon on 92 WICB.
1: Listen on 91.7 FM in Ithaca, New York, or stream from anywhere on WICB.org.
0: And to hear the music we discussed in today's show, check out 92 WICB on Spotify for our custom-made playlist for the series.
1: We'd also like to thank Epidemic Sound for our intro and outro music.
0: If there's anything you would like us to put on the podcast stage, send us an email at matinee at wicb.org.
1: And for more content, be sure to follow us at WICB Podcasts on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you.